right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. As always, I am Zach Follador, joined by my co-host, Sam Philman, live from Muncie. Sam, how you doing tonight, man? Uh, pretty good. It's hard to believe we're already on episode 30, but that is, that is the case. That is crazy. It is crazy. We've made it through a football season. We're halfway through a basketball season here. Yeah, 30 episodes in. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome, but hey. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Got a lot to get to here tonight. Uh, some news, uh, some hoops talk, some good stuff happening around the Mac right now. Uh, Sam, let's let's jump right into it here, man. You know, I mentioned that there's a lot of good news to talk about here tonight, but this first story we're going to start off with uh, a little bit of transfer news is a little bit disappointing to uh, Mac fans in general and Western Michigan fans especially. Yeah, if you if you haven't been paying attention in the past, I don't even know when he entered the transfer portal, but Treshawn Howard, the stud um, defensive tackling machine out of Western Michigan, had originally put his name in the transfer portal and recently on social media announced he is joining the new f- football head coach, Jed Fish, in playing at um, the University of Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, he, this is one of those guys who he was, you know, he was a senior last year and is taken advantage of that extra year of eligibility that the, uh, that the NCAA has given everyone uh, because of the, the pandemic and everything else that went on this year. So, you know, can't, can't blame him for, for wanting to go to a power five conference and try his hand, uh, you know, against a quote unquote step up in competition. Um, he's going to, you know, transfer out to Tucson and uh, can final complete his final season out there. But man, I tell you what, uh, he had that breakout season last year in 2019, where he was MAC Defensive Player of the Year. Had 142 tackles, uh, which was third in the entire FBS, and uh, fifth with 73 solo tackles. And he did all that, uh, Sam, with only having started one game in his entire career before that. So this is a guy that really came on these last two seasons. And um, you know, it's a shame that we're you know going to have to watch him play somewhere else next year because this is a guy that that really you know, performed well these last two years for the Broncos. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, when we mentioned how just wild it was to watch Stanley Berryhill uh, commit from Arizona to Ball State, this is kind of the same thing. He's from Michigan. He's a Ypsilanti native. And now he's going from Michigan all the way to Arizona. So it'll be interesting to see if he does. It looks like he'll be uh, playing in Tucson, Arizona. So we'll have to keep track of that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to replace um, Treshawn Howard at Western Michigan. He was definitely a, a solid defensive stand, stand out there. Even with, I think we can both agree, Western Michigan's kind of lackluster defense. Now yeah. you lose a guy who was a standout linebacker who, who just had probably hundreds and hundreds of tackles over his uh, career at uh, Western Michigan. It's, it's going to be hard to make up that production. Yeah, no doubt. And when you look at Western Michigan's depth chart now, um, obviously this this you know this is a significant hit to that. But you know they still have some veteran pieces there in the linebacking core. Corvin Moment had uh, 37 tackles this past year. Zaire Barnes is going to step into one of the outside linebacker roles. He he missed last season with an injury. Um, they also have a converted safety AJ Thomas who had 46 tackles and nine tackles for loss last year. I got to say though, Sam, if I'm a Western Michigan fan. I'm not feeling too great moving into next season because you got this story here with Treshawn Howard. And then on the other side of the ball, you lose a guy like Dwayne Eskridge, which I'm sure you've seen on Twitter here over the last few days. 
NFL draft scouts are just like drooling over what he's been doing at the, at the senior bowl thus far. I saw Todd McShay tweeting about him, Field Yates from ESPN tweeting about him. I mean, these are two high level dudes that the Broncos are losing. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can build off the momentum that they put on this year. You obviously lose those two pieces. Can they build around? Can they replace those really great guys? Cause as you mentioned, everybody's just raving about uh, Dwayne Eskridge and we've been, we've been watching him for the past four years, just dominate Western Michigan. I watched him in that um, close uh, loss against Ball State. He was just electric. It's who he is. I'm glad he's getting noticed, but it's going to be hard for Western Michigan to bounce back after just exceeding expectations to what a four and two record this season, almost getting to the Mac title game. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see out of uh, Western Michigan what happens. Yeah, no doubt. And still, certainly, there's still some talent there. Obviously, I think you found your quarterback of the future this past year with Caleb Ellaby, the sophomore. Um, he's going to have, you know, at least two more years of eligibility and, you, you know, maybe even an additional one, you know, not counting this year uh, and going to take that extra year. Uh, so there's certainly, you know, not all hope is lost for the Broncos, but certainly uh, you hate to see players of this caliber leaving the program. Uh, moving into some more uh, spring sports news, we wanted to give you guys guys just a brief overview. Um, we're, we're not going to go in too much much depth here, but you know, over the last month, we've we've spent so much time focused on the end of football season and basketball season ramping up that we haven't had time to talk a ton about the other spring sports that have started here over the last couple of weeks, Sam. So I guess if we want to just give them a quick rundown of what else is going on in the conference right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we uh, back on what you said, if we were to spend time on all these sports, it would be a long, long each episode because there's volleyball we have to talk about, swimming and diving, tennis, gymnastics, soccer, and yeah, yeah that's it. And if you if you want to um, read everything we're talking about, Hustle Bell just po- posted a 2021 Mid-American Conference Spring Sports Report uh, week of January 25th. And to our knowledge, uh, James Jimenez, our editor, will be uh, updating it each week so you can check it out but yeah we we have some some volleyball to talk talk about Zach if you want to kick us off yeah I mean obviously uh this just this past week was was the first week in uh in Mac uh women's volleyball um come out with the first you know the word players of the week um in the eastern division the offensive player of the week Caitlin Mayer the junior from Bowling Green 39 kills in eight sets over two matches uh, a 47.5 hitting percentage. That's as, as a former high school volleyball player. Those are some, some great numbers there. Defensive player of the week there was Sam Steele, a freshman, a true freshman for Ohio uh, for the Bobcats. She had 51 digs, one ace and no errors in her first career start. And then uh, the setter, Hannah Lube from uh, also from Bowling Green, the junior, 95 assists is leading the conference through two matches. And she also had two kills uh, versus NIU, which uh, you don't always see from a setter. On the other side of the, the fence in the West, you got uh, Rachel Bontrager from Western Michigan, the senior. She had 36 kills and a 33% uh, percent hit percentage in two matches, including her 35th career double-double against Toledo. Uh, she had 16 kills and 10 digs in that match. On the defensive side there, Kaylee Smith, the senior, also from Western Michigan, 49 digs in two matches, uh, just over six digs per set to lead the MAC in week one. She also picked up three, a set, three assists there. And then the setter, Kate Vincent from Ball State, uh, the freshman, 74 assists, 21 digs, three kills in her first career starts. Uh, Bowling Green has started off uh, at the top of the division on the east. They've got uh, two victories over Northern Illinois. And then the west, uh, Western Michigan and Ball State, 
both went 2-0 in the first week. So they're kind of tied atop the, uh, the standings there. So we'll keep you guys updated on, uh, on, on the volleyball front and all these other swing, uh, spring sports. And then, Sam, there was some, uh, some, some news here over the last week in swimming and diving as well. Uh, yeah, Ball State swept the categories for the women's team uh, last week with uh, Marcelo Rib- Ribeiro. I'm, I, I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that uh, name right. Winning the 200 meter and 500 meter events in her Cardinal debut, and senior di- diver Kaylin Placanti winning the three meter and one meter diving competitions versus U of I. Zach, these freshmen, the these uh, the, in this week in volleyball and swimming and diving are just really showing out. Yeah, I tell you what, man, anytime you have freshmen that can come in and have an impact like that, it doesn't matter what the sport is, right? It doesn't matter what the sport is. I mean, that's always an impressive thing and and a good thing, you know, a future indicator for the health of any program. So the fact that, um, you know, these these freshmen are able to come in and and show out in their first performances on the college stage, uh, quite impressive, really quite impressive. Uh, Moving into tennis, um, there's, there's obviously tennis resumed play both for the men and the women this past week. Um, Ball State sweep, swept the single and doubles category for weekly awards uh, on the men's side. And uh, on the women's side, uh, Miami did the same thing. Um, on the men's side, though, uh, singles player of the week was Sajin Smith, who, again, speaking of freshmen, there's a freshman for Ball State, took home his first Collegate win in three sets, uh, 6-3, 2-6, 6-4, over Notre Dame's Matt Gamble. Uh, in, in their rubber match and uh, actually led helped Ball State pull out the upset over the Fighting Irish. Ball State uh, won the match four to three. Sam, I'm sure you, you love to hear that. And then uh, on the men's doubles team of the week, Chris Adams and, and Vince Orlando, also from Ball State, uh, they opened the scoring for the Cardinals versus Notre Dame, edging out the Irish number one double set for a 6-4 victory. And then on the women's side, uh, we mentioned uh, Miami's strong performance there. Uh, Brinta Wamaswamy uh, throttled her matchup six to two, six nothing. The clean, the clean sweep there in the second set um, to start off the season well versus Youngstown State and uh, helped the Red Hawks uh, with a victory in that match there. And then she also earned her second weekly award. Ramaswamy did alongside her uh, Colombian uh, doubles partner Laura Rico. Uh, as they picked up a six four win in in the same tournament. So based on those uh, those you know that first week there, Sam seems like Ball State on the men's side and, and Miami on the women's side are going to be pretty strong moving forward in tennis. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you beat Notre Dame, I'm always going to be happy. Any long term li- long time yeah. listener over these past thirty episodes would know that really strong performance for Ball State, not just in tennis, but as as we've seen in swimming and diving in um, volleyball. Really just great performances for Ball State. If I had a, um, a kind of uh, University of the Week, if you want to call it, I would have to give it to Ball State with just how dominant they've been. Yeah, and then uh, we've got some um, gymnastics to talk about, Zach. Yeah, so um, gymnastics was another one that, that started this past week. Um, Kent State swept both the gymnast and the specialist of the week awards here. Um, then they split the, the, uh, the team awards between two different programs. But uh, week one, uh, the action saw senior gymnast Abby Fletcher uh, scored 9.75 or over in three disciples, including a 9.875 in the floor exercise. So that got her the win in the individual title in, in Kent State's season opener. Uh, and the floor routine there ranked 25th in the country in all amongst all competitors there. So a really strong performance there from Abby. And then uh, freshman vault specialist Kendall Gilbert took home the week one specialist honors. Uh, after scoring a 9.85 in the vault, 
which is the best score in the MAC and the 23rd best in the country. And then uh, she followed that up with a 9.725 in the floor exercise. So just uh, another couple, another example there of, of a strong freshman performance here this week. And then Kent State also picked up their second gymnast of the week award in week two's action. Uh, this time it was uh, sophomore Rachel Dukavich's performance against Pitt. Uh, Dukavich performed an all around in the, excuse me, in the all around and uh, posted a 39.05 to take home first place honors, uh, including a stellar 9.825 on the bars. And then Eastern Michigan senior vault specialist, Courtney Bazold, uh, she scored a 9.85 on the bars in the EMU uh, Invitational versus Bowling Green to win that event and help uh, EMU secure the victory there. Uh, overall, when we're looking at the standings, uh, EMU uh, leads the overall leaderboard at 3-0. and uh, They hold the MAC lead uh, tied with Ball State at 1-0 and in the conference and Kent State's 2-0 and in the conference. And then uh, NIU sits at, at one and two overall. And then Central Michigan, Bowling Green, and Western Michigan uh, sitting at the bottom of the, the standings there. They've yet to secure a victory thus far. So certainly a, a good start to the season for Eastern Michigan. And, and there's Ball State again, Sam. It seems like a lot of these spring sports that are just starting up for the Cardinals seem to be you know, starting off pretty strongly. Yeah, re really strong so far, as I mentioned, University of the Week for a reason. But <laughs> um, Eastern Michigan really holding strong at a solid 3-0. and They looked they look like the top of the max so far. You, it looks like in gymnastics so far, you got a little bit of separation of talent. You have your top dogs and your uh, bottom dogs, but we'll have to see. There's a lot of, um, I think it's gymnastic meets, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's going to be obviously a long season. A lot to still come there, but... Uh, yeah, certainly a strong start to the season for Ball State and Eastern Michigan there. And uh, after Eastern Michigan's football season this year and the way that their men's basketball team is playing right now, hopefully that can give some Eagles fans uh, something to, to, to smile about there. And to wrap this up here, Sam, uh, with soccer starting to, to get underway as well. Uh, yeah, if you're an Akron fan, you're going to be really happy about this news we all know about Akron's um kind of dominant national not just mag dominant but nationally dominant program and that brings me to this past week where we had the MLS super draft with David Egbo a Akron zip being selected by the Vancouver Whitecaps FC with the ninth overall draft pick last week not ninth round but ninth overall in the first round so shout out to Akron I'm sure zips fan zips fans have to be happy about that no doubt. And you tell, I tell you what, um, the, the performance of the Zips, the way that they have recruited, uh, you know, we, we had Coach Jared Emmerich on uh, a couple months ago. This is Akron's 14th pick in the first round and their 28th pick overall in the MLS draft. There's currently 43 Zips seeing action internationally at both the club and the country level. So that means here in the MLS, that means over in Europe, in the, um, the English Premier League, La Liga in Spain, uh, League One in France. I mean, the Bundesliga in Germany. I mean, the Akron Zips soccer program is represented well across the globe when it comes to professional soccer. And I mean, that's just a great testament to the recruiting that they've done and the, the talent development that they have there at that program for the Zips. I think if you're talking about the preeminent programs in the MAC in any sport, Akron's men's soccer program is, is right there. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you, no doubt. Again, you mentioned how we had Coach Embrick on. Just, just to see the amount of trophies he had behind him, obviously you listeners couldn't see it, but it was just enormous. To see all the signed jerseys of players who actually like did stuff in the next level was just fascinating to watch. 
I'm sure Coach Embrick is going to keep pushing out these um, excellent players, and I wouldn't be surprised if if their 28th overall um, draft goes up in the next few years. No doubt, no doubt. So the the season uh, has not started just yet, so we're, we don't want to get too ahead of you here. Um, but it is going to be coming here within the next month uh, that you know soccer soccer programs are going to get start to get the ball rolling. Uh, but again, David Egbo from uh, from Akron selected ninth overall by the Vancouver Whitecaps. He had 21 goals and 13 assists for 55 points in 56 career games for Akron. Uh, 50 of his 132 shots being on target. So definitely some uh, some good stats for David there, and and we wish him the best as he starts his professional journey uh, north of the border in Vancouver. Um, moving, uh, I guess, in, into another very positive story here uh, on into the basketball side of things. We had a milestone broken here actually just earlier tonight, Sam, for Kent State. Uh, yeah, Danny Pippen, everybody knows who's listened to this show, knows about him. He reached a thousand points the senior out of Kent State in uh, Kent State's win over BG. Just an excellent player. I believe he scored 34 points. Just yeah. we, we all know about him. We uh, This season has just been a breakout for him and he's just dominated this season. Yeah, he really has. And, and you're right, Sam. He had uh, in their game against Bowling Green earlier here tonight, uh, we're recording on Wednesday, 34 points and 11 rebounds, 11 for 19 from the field, five for nine from three point land. I mean, he has it's 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 almost become like, a, you know, double doubles from him are like you just kind of expect it right now. You know what I mean? He's playing at such a high level. He, he's great defensively. He can step out and shoot. He can rebound. He's tough under the bucket. I mean, this is a guy that can that can really do it all and, you know, currently sits at uh, prior to tonight, going into tonight, he was fourth in the league and scoring at 19.3 points per game. Can't help but think he might move up a little bit after tonight's 34 point performance. Uh, but he's, you know, he's been one of these breakout stars here for, for uh, in, in when it comes to Mac basketball this year, in my mind, Sam. Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned him moving up. I'm looking at his average right now, and it actually moved up to 20 and a half on the season. So yeah. that 34 point helped and break the 20 point uh, barrier per game. So, yeah, as you mentioned, just an excellent stud. One of the standouts for Kent State that we just talk about each week just because he keeps giving us stu stuff to talk about, really. And then I'm sure we'll talk about him later. I believe, yes, we will talk about him later in the basketball segment. So, yeah, we just keep talking about him and he keeps delivering. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I should let me let me go back and, and correct myself a little bit. Something that I, I mentioned there a couple of seconds ago. I, calling him a breakout star is is not being fair to what he did in previous seasons. I mean, this is a guy that averaged 14 uh, points and seven rebounds a game last year for Kent State. So this is not a guy who came out of nowhere this year. He's been playing at a high level for the Golden Flashes for a couple seasons now. He just he's really taken his game to another level this year. This is a guy who I think unquestionably is going to be a first team All Mac type of player. And I've said this before, but being that he's, you know, a senior, 6'9", 225, a big frame, he can get rebounds, he's tough under the basket, and he can step out and shoot the three. This is a guy that I can see getting a serious look uh, at the next level. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him ending up on a, an NBA, you know, in an NBA training camp uh, next year as the season uh, starts to get going. So uh, congratulations to, to Danny as, as he hit the 1,000-point mark for the golden flashes tonight in their game against Bowling Green. And then um, 
moving on, Sam, to some some other basketball news. You know, it's that time of the year where we're starting to get those midseason award watch lists, and uh, a number of MAC players were were named on the Lou Henson midseason award watch list. Yeah, we talked about the Becky Hammond uh, midseason award watch list, which is the uh, top mid major women's player in D1 basketball. Well, this is the men's, and we have a couple, three uh, MAC uh, players. We have Toledo's Marion Jackson, Akron's Lauren Christian Jackson, and Bowling Green's Justin Turner. And Zach, honestly, after just talking about how just great Danny Pippen has played this season, I, I kind of have to question why he isn't on this list. You know, you read my mind there, Sam, because, I, you know, all three of these guys absolutely deserved it, but Danny Pippen did as well. I think – I'm not going to sit here and say that Danny Pippen has outplayed any of these three guys, but he has absolutely played at their level. I mean, Marion Jackson is is a very well-rounded player, as is Lauren Christian Jackson. I mean, Marion Jackson uh, for Toledo, you know, 17 points a game, 5.6 assists, 2.1 steals per game, which is second in the MAC. Uh, Lauren Christian Jackson uh, is is at the top of the uh, top of the the conference in, in points per game, and he's actually ranked in in the top twenty uh, in four categories for the entire of of Division One. He's fifth in Division One in points per game, uh, sixth in three point field goals made per game, ninth in assists per game, and thirteenth in free throw percentage, ninety three point nine. So you know, just and then Justin Turner, we we've talked a lot about him as well. This is another guy who's at the top of the, the conference in scoring. He's averaging 20.4 points per game, shooting at an incredibly high rate. So these are all guys that deserve it. But I think if you're, we're going to have a conversation about the best player in the MAC, we're going to talk about Lauren Christian Jackson. We're going to talk about Marion Jackson. We're going to talk about uh, Justin Turner. But Danny Pippen's right there. So um, I'm not taking anything away from these three guys that were on the list. They all deserve it. But to your point, Sam, I think Danny Pippen deserved it as well. Yeah, and again, as you mentioned, it's not a discredit to any of these guys. I just think if this award is presented annually, which means this year, the season that Danny Pippins had, we're not saying over his career because uh, first two seasons wasn't the best, but this season specifically, he has to be on there as one of the top mid-major players. I don't, I don't think any, any opponent that's guarded Danny Pippen or played against him can argue that. Again, Lauren Christian Jackson, Marion Jackson, Justin Turner deserve to be on this list as well. But this this award is presented annually, so it's a it's a by season award watch list, and we're not going by name; we're going by results. And these guys deserve it. But I think uh, one one addition needs to be added. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100% there, Sam. But nonetheless, um, you know, this is uh, it's an honor for these guys to, to be on the list, and I think. Uh, all three of them deserve it. All three of them, I think, are, are capable of winning the award. I think about, you know, Marion Jackson and, and Lauren Christian Jackson especially have really been playing at a high level here, a very high level over these last few weeks. If they can keep it up, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if, if they're able to, to, to win this award um, at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, Sam, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I agree. Yeah, so um, – that, that about wraps up our news segment. Unless, Sam, I don't know if there's anything we missed that you wanted to discuss. Um, not really. I think we covered it all. Again, you can check out the Spring Sports Report on um, uh, HustleBell.com. So if you want to check that out, ch- check anything we talked about, you can on uh, HustleBell.com. But, yeah, I think that about, ra- that about wraps up for the news segment. Good stuff. And uh, so as far as uh, moving into um, our, our Twitter segment this week and t- kind of tying into the, the rivalry segment that we've been doing, 
here over the last couple of weeks. I uh, just wanted to kind of touch on this real quickly. Sam and I were discussing this before the show, you know, um, we felt like we wanted to uh, focus more here on the sports that are going on, right? We got a lot of basketball stuff happening right now. All these other spring sports are starting up. We just mentioned, you know, we talked about soccer and gymnastics, swimming and diving and women's volleyball. We want to be able to focus more on all those sports right now. So the rivalry segment, we, we enjoyed it. It's fun. But we're gonna we're gonna delay that and 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 move that towards uh, you know maybe over the summer or later in the spring when a lot of these other sports are wrapped up when we can dedicate some more time towards it and um, you know again we just want to dedicate more time right now to the sports that are going on we feel like that's a little bit more pertinent to to the Mac fan base out there so um, we're we're not ignoring it it's not going away we're just gonna revisit it again here in a couple of months uh, Sam did I miss anything there anything else you wanted to throw in there. Uh, no, not really. I think you uh, covered it pretty nicely. Awesome. So with that said, um, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll go ahead and move into uh, some, some basketball talk here. It's been another big week on the hardwood. A lot of good stuff happening. Uh, it seems like the, the, the cream is starting to rise to the, crop, or to the top of the heap here in, uh, in both men's and women's. Uh, Sam, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start on, on the men's side of things this week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now. I, I tell you what, before we even start to get into any games specifically, the one thing that I wanted to start with this week, Sam, is that if I am a Bowling Green fan, I am officially hitting the panic button. They, uh, they, they just, we touched on earlier, you know, Danny Pippen's big game earlier tonight here on Wednesday. Uh, Kent State beat Bowling Green 96 to 91. Bowling Green started off 5-0 and in the conference, and now since that, they have lost uh, three, I'm sorry, four of five uh, since that start. So they're now 6-4 and four in the conference. They were at the top of the conference. They've dropped all the way back to fourth now, Sam. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that loss against Ball State was just kind of a hiccup in kind of their success, but it looks to be like Bowling Green might be falling apart a little bit, sitting at 10-6 and six overall, 6-4 six in the MAC. Once a top two team, you're now sitting at fourth in the MAC. Good thing is you still have a lot of games left. Their next uh, three games are versus Toledo at Eastern Michigan versus Western Michigan. So those last two are definitely winnable games and should be winnable games. And if you can't win against Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan, you you have to be saying to yourself, what is this team truly made of? Because they're I, I don't think Bowling Green is is in a great spot. You have two games postponed that you potentially could have won. And then you have, like you said, four or five that you lost. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, you know, the thing that I, I can't figure out about Bowling Green is that for a team that has so much talent, they they seem prone to stretches of not just bad basketball, but terrible basketball I mean this has gone all the way back to December whenever we you know we were in the non-conference schedule and they played Wright State in the first half against Wright State they were down at halftime 54 to 21 now Wright State's a good team but they're not 33 points better than Bowling Green in in one half and then you carry that forward to um just this this past week they they went on the road to Miami and lost to the Redhawks 96 to 77. They lost that game by 19 points. Well, the start of that game, 
Miami opened that game on a 16 to two run. So there's 14 of that 19 points that you lost the game by. So for a team that has Justin Turner and Daquan Plowden and Trey Diggs and all of these guys that can score all of this top tier talent in the Mac, I don't understand how they can go through these stretches where they play so poorly. It really, it really is, is um, I, I can't, I don't know. I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I, I can't either. I think, uh, like you said, Bowling Green, similar to Toledo, has all these scores, and it's just confusing to how they're not in a similar place that Toledo is sitting at 9-1 and in conference, 14-4 overall. They're just going through a rough patch right now. It's Maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just wearing on Justin Turner playing 40 minutes a game, playing a lot of minutes, Daquan Potting playing 30, Kane yeah. Matheny playing 34. Maybe you need to rest those guys a little bit more to get them re-energized because you're only playing three guys on the bench. That's really not going to cut your starters unless their Ironman are going to get worn down eventually. And maybe that's just the case that Justin Turner's feeling like he has to do too much for this team. He's shooting eight of 18. He's shooting a worse um, three-point percentage and worse field goal percentage than last year. I think he may just be trying to put the team on his back, which I think is hurting this team a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Sam. And, and I think you, you make a good point. It's, it's similar to what we said about Buffalo last week, right, where your, your top three or four guys are as good as any in the conference, but the depth seems to be lacking a little bit. And I think we're starting to see that with Bowling Green and, and Buffalo alike. You know, you talked last week about how you don't understand how Buffalo isn't, you know, better at the more closer to the top of the conference. And I think I would now put Bowling Green in that category as well. They just don't seem to have, um, you know, they don't seem to have that consistency. Now in their most recent game that I mentioned, uh, if we want to move into talking about some specific games, um, earlier this week, they lost to uh, Miami down in Oxford, 96 to 77. Sam, Miami is a team that we haven't talked a ton about here uh, on the show thus far. But, um, you know, they, they lost at home to Toledo last night, 90 to 81. Toledo, it just, it seems like Toledo is kind of separating themselves. They're, they're kind of at the top of the pack right now. But prior to that, Miami had a really nice run here. Three straight victories. We obviously talked about this Bowling Green game, 96 to 77. They, they uh, preceded that with an 81-71 home win over Ball State last week. And then uh, this past Saturday, followed that up with a road victory at Eastern Michigan, 85 to 63. Uh, Day Day Grant was the, uh, the conference player of the week this week, uh, had a couple really nice games uh, against Bowling Green the other night. He had, uh, you know, 27 points and five assists. He followed that up with 28 points against Eastern Michigan. This, uh, this Miami team, though, you know, they're sitting at four and three in the conference right there in the middle of the pack with, with Ball State and Ohio and Buffalo. Uh, this is a team that's, that seems like they're starting to turn it on. Yeah, um, before this kind of pass, before this Ball State game, they were basically sitting where Central Michigan is right now towards the bottom of the conference. And then they've just flipped a switch round off wins against Ball State. We mentioned the Bowling Green win, a 20-point win against an, an Eastern Michigan team that's towards the bottom of the conference. And then they, they ha then they have a close loss to Toledo. So I think Miami, Ohio, while we haven't really talked about them, much uh, or in earlier episodes due to their struggles, they're really starting to turn a corner. Maybe we have to start watching, uh, paying attention to Miami, Ohio a little bit more on the basketball side. Yeah, no doubt. And um, like I said, Day Day Grant had himself a, a week for the Red Hawks. 
uh, like I mentioned, earned uh, Conference Player of the Week honors. Uh, he had 27 points against Bowling Green, 9 for 16 from the field, 5 for 9 from three-point land, five assists in that game. And then he followed that up on Saturday with uh, 28 points and six rebounds against Eastern Michigan. He was 10 for 15 from the field, six for seven from three-point land in that game. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, a good week for the Red Hawks. Now, um, and that one loss that they had this week, was let's let's talk about this team that has really kind of separated themselves, and that's that's Toledo here, Sam. Uh, they had that win last night against Miami, but prior to that win, uh, I think one of the more impressive wins of the season, or I should say, just add it to the collection of impressive wins for Toledo this year. But this uh, hard fought, really hard fought, seventy six seventy four win at home against Kent State. Yeah, um, Marion Jackson had a, a, a monster night, 31 points. They held Danny Pippen to an impressive, I think, 17 points on 6 of 17 shooting, which is impressive. Toledo's just separating themselves from the pack, not only being the lower um, tier of the conference, but beating teams like Kent State, be, have a close loss against um, Akron, beat a um, – a B-Day Ohio team, which is pretty solid this season. And the funny thing is, this is the second game versus Kent State this season where they've ended this game on a two-point win. So you have four points that makes a difference between Kent State sitting at five and three and four points. You're now sitting at seven and one. So that's yeah. just an interesting storyline to watch from the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Sam. And I think despite Kent state's record, they're sitting at five and three. I, I do think they are one of the two or three best teams in this conference right now. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned, four points separates them and, and Toledo right now. And even in this game here, Sam watching this game, I don't know how you could watch this game and not think that these are two of the best teams in this conference. Toledo jumped out to a 14 to three lead in this game. Kent state immediately battled back. There were nine lead changes before halftime in this game. I mean, these are two very, very evenly matched teams. Um, this game was tied with uh, a little bit over two minutes to go. Marion Jackson hit a three to put Toledo up for good. It gave him the 72-69 lead. And then he had a steal and a layup with nine seconds left that ended up kind of putting the nail in the coffin for Kent State. But I tell you what, man, the, these two teams right here are seem to me – to be the most complete teams in the conference. They're offensively, they're, they are unbelievable. And defensively, I don't think they're quite as good. I mean, Kent State is second in the conference in, in scoring defense, but they seem to go through lapses of, of times where uh, they get beat for offensive rebounds and stuff like that. So the it kind of comes and goes. But I mean, Kent State and Toledo, they're second and third in the conference in scoring. Kent State at 81.7 points a game. Toledo just over 80 points a game. I mean, these are two, in my opinion, I think probably right now the two best teams in the conference. Yeah, I agree. I think Akron has to be in that discussion as well. Sure. Just, yeah. Just having the an unbelievable season despite just having game after game just postponed to start their season. They they really didn't. They start. They had us. They had to have a late start to the season. So it's impressive watching what they do with all the the guys that they lost this last season. Going seven and two in conference, nine and three overall. It's this is definitely a season to watch. And I think what's interesting about this season is all these teams may have six and four record. Bowling Green, five and four. Ohio, four and three. Buffalo, 
but I think top to bottom, this this is a really good conference. Despite the records, you can't take anybody for granted um, from Ball State up, really. Oh, yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, yeah, you got Ball State uh, sitting in eighth place at four and four. They're only two and a half games back from second place where Akron's sitting up there at, uh, at seven and two. So, yeah, you're right, Sam. Uh, it seems like both on the men's and the women's side this year, there's tons of parity right now in, in the conference. And, um, and, you know, when you look at even the middle of the pack, you know, we've talked a lot these last couple of weeks about those teams at the top, about Toledo and, and, and Bowling Green and, and, and Akron and Kent State. But now that you look at the middle of the pack, I mean, Buffalo and Miami sitting at four and three, Ohio at five and four, Ball State at four and four. Those are all teams that can beat anybody on any given night. There's really no nights off in this conference. And I think a game that kind of highlights that to me is, is uh, you know, another game on our list here that happened last night was, uh, you know, we talked about Toledo going down to Oxford to play Miami last night. Toledo, I mean, offensively, I don't know how you stop them. They put up 90 again against Miami, but Miami was right there with them this entire game. 90 to 81 was the final there. Uh, Toledo got a little bit of separation towards the end of the first half. They were up by 12 at halftime, but Miami really battled back in the second half. They got this game to four points uh, on multiple different occasions. And, um, you know, Toledo just has, they just have so much firepower. Yeah, I agree. Top to bottom, Toledo is just has too much firepower, in my opinion. It's just, it's just unbelievable from top to bottom. From uh, Shumate to Marion Jackson to Littleson to Rollins, Milner Jr., they had four um, guys in double digits compared to Miami, Ohio's five. It's it's a, a thing that says Toledo's, like Miami, Ohio can keep up, but Toledo's just one step ahead. I think that just tells the tale of the entire season where Toledo is having all these close games, but just manages to be one step ahead of these conferences. We mentioned the 4.2 wins against Kent State, and that just tells you Toledo just finds a way to win with all their offensive firepower. It may not look the prettiest, letting uh, 81 to Miami or letting 74 to Kent State, but he gets the job done. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. And my goodness, like you mentioned the firepower on this team. I mean, you have five guys on this team uh, averaging over double digits and scoring. And I mean, when that the fifth guy there is JT Schumade at 11.7 points per game. Well, guess what? He went for 33 last night against Miami of Ohio, 11 for 11 from the field, five for five from three point land. That's your fifth leading scorer for the Rockets. And he can do that on any given night. I just, I don't know how you match up with this team. Marion Jackson is a great point guard. He distributes the ball, you know, with, with ease to all of these other guys, Ryan Rollins to me, I think uh, along with Mark Sears is, is, probably the, the freshman of the year in the Mac. Um, I just, there's just so much happening positive for, for the, uh, for the Rockets right now. And um, I know Rockets fans have been waiting a long time for a team like this. They haven't made the NCAA tournament since 1980. It looks like they have a good chance to, to break that streak this year. Uh, last game I wanted to touch on uh, before we move on to the women's side here, Sam was, this game earlier tonight, we've talked about it a little bit with uh, the Danny Pippen story, but Kent State continues to rise to the top of the conference. Another really high scoring game here earlier tonight in Kent, where the Golden Flash has knocked off Bowling Green 96 to 91. Yeah, I agree. It was it was a excellent game to the finish. Kent State just managed to pull away a, a, um, 
to Bowling Green at the end, getting um, having a uh, losing having losing at halftime, but managed to pull out a five point victory against Bowling Green. This is another impressive Kent State win. Again, they they could be they're a team that is as good as the top of the conference. We mentioned they're the top two to three team in the, the the conference right now and it's just impressive to watch this team not only Danny Pippen just to watch this team down to bottom I mentioned Mike Newguy I believe last week as my player of the week he's putting on a show every everybody on Kent State is stepping up the season and having one heck of a season yeah they really are and and you know again I, I I started off our basketball segment by saying it Sam but if you know if I'm Bowling Green if I'm a Falcons fan I'm, I'm officially hitting the panic button right now I mean defensively, man, I, I, I don't know where to start. I mean, this is a team they've fallen back. They're ninth in the conference in scoring defense. They're giving up uh, over 74, like 74.5 points a game. They're eighth in the conference in field goal percentage defense. They're allowing their opponents to shoot 44.5%. You look at this game tonight, I mean, Kent State shot 48% from the field, 46% from three-point land, 13 for 28 if you're going to give up 13, if you're going to let your opponent, you know, hit 13 threes in a given game, and you're going to give them 21 free throws of which Kent State hit 17, you're not going to win many games doing that. I mean, I, I think that goes without saying. You can't give up 96 points in a game to a Division One basketball team and expect to win that game. I mean, Kent State put up 55 points in the second half of this game alone. And, you know, I, I just – I. Bowling Green, again, they have games where they look great, but then they have games like this where they, they shoot the ball well and they don't defend. They have games where they defend the ball well and they can't hit a shot. It just seems for how much talent they have, they struggle to put it all together. I, I agree. I think I think like I said, it's it's a rut that they need to they need to pull themselves out of. This Toledo game is very critical if they want to stay uh, within range of Toledo. I mean, they're already three games back. You don't have many more games where you can just let slip and still manage to be within Toledo's grasp because, as we mentioned, top to bottom, they're just a offensive scoring machine. So in order to keep up with that and all the wins that they're putting together, you're going to have to rattle off a win. And this game against Toledo next on the 30th is going to be a huge one for Bowling Green fans. No doubt. And, and any, you know, anytime Toledo and Bowling Green get together in the Battle of I-75 – that game's always circled on the calendar of both teams. But I think especially here with Toledo being at the top of the conference and Bowling Green kind of in a free fall, I think it's a game that the Falcons really, really need to win, uh, especially with it, you know, being a home game uh, there in Bowling Green. So we'll, uh, that'll be one of the games we're going to be keeping an eye on moving forward. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about on the men's side here, Sam? Um, no, I thought we had some great games. I'm looking forward to some um, games upcoming this week with Ohio at Buffalo, Toledo at Bowling Green. So we'll just have to keep an eye on on that for next episode. But yeah, I think that about covers it. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, let's uh, if we want to move over to uh, to the women's side of things here, Sam, I'll start off just again, just looking at the standings, you know, we still have, you know, Kent State is kind of the anomaly here on the women's side of things. They haven't played a game <clears throat> Excuse me. They haven't played a game in uh, in almost three weeks. They've had a, their last four games postponed. Their last game was a uh, their seventy to sixty one win over Ball State on uh, on January 9th. 
And uh, they, they do have a, a game scheduled on Saturday against Eastern Michigan. That's going to be their first game uh, in three weeks. But they've had four games postponed in the meantime. So they're still sitting at the top of the conference in 4-0. They just, you know, haven't, haven't played in a while. Underneath them, though, you got, you know, Bowling Green sitting there at 8-2, and two, Buffalo sitting there at 6-2, and two, Central Michigan at 7-3, and three, Ohio at 6-3, and three, and then Northern Illinois and Ball State sitting there at 4-3 and three as well, Toledo at 5-4. and four. And once again, that, that word parody comes to mind here on the women's side, Sam. Yeah, what's wild is there's four teams tied for the first spot in the division or conference, I should say, since they're not doing divisions uh, this year. But it's going to be wild to see what Kent State looks coming out of break. I mentioned last episode, I was looking forward to see what Kent State was made of coming out of the break, but they unfortunately had another, um, excuse me, a game canceled. So we didn't get to watch them. So Hopefully they don't get this Eastern Michigan fan because it could yeah. be a good thing to have this long of a break, but it could also be a bad thing because you, you've had such a hot start at 4-0 that you don't really, and plus you haven't had a lot of games under your belt that you don't really know if this team's for real or not. So we'll have to see, but Bowling Green type for first, Buffalo type for first, and not really surprising Central Michigan also there type for first. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, you're right. I think with having three weeks off, if you're Kent State uh, and having, you know, practice shut down, not being able to do any basketball related activities, um, I, I, certainly rust can, can be a factor there. And, you know, Eastern Michigan, they're sitting at five and four in the conference. They're, you know, not they're not at the top of the pack, but they're, they're not a pushover either. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how the golden flashes come out on Saturday against the Eagles. Uh, moving in to talk about, you know, a couple games we wanted to highlight on the women's side this week, uh, a notable game uh, for Ohio. The Bobcats uh, traveled up to Kalamazoo and um, really put it on Eastern or I'm sorry, Western Michigan in the second half of this game. The Broncos really struggling this thus far this year. They were up 11 at halftime in this game before Ohio came back in the second half. And Sam, uh, CC Hooks, who we've talked a lot about on the on the podcast already, uh, 38 points. Uh, which is the fourth highest single game total in Ohio history uh, for the Bobcats in that game, 14 for 23 from the field. Um, that kind of allowed Ohio to escape Kalamazoo with the win. Yeah, I agree. In the second half, they were outscored 41 to 24. Western Michigan was. They had the game in the hand at half and just let it slip away. CC Hooks had to carry the team on their back. 38 points. The rest of the team combined for 31 of their points. So that just tells you what you need to know. CC Hooks was dominating this game. Western Michigan had no answers for her. She saw four, 14 of 23 from the field, which is clearly above 50% from the field. It was just one heck of a game for her. And even though Western Michigan had a nice, well-rounded attack of three-plus players in um, uh, double figures with one close to it with nine points, it just wasn't enough for this Ohio team. Yeah, you know, the thing that's crazy uh, about that CC Hooks stat line is that, you know, 36 points, or I'm sorry, 38 points, eight rebounds, 14 for 23 from the field. She was only eight for 16 from the free throw line. I mean, if she even hits 70% of her free throws, she could have had 40 in this game. Easily could have had 40 in this game. Now, that, that free throws are not her strong suit. She's only a 61.5% free throw shooter, but nonetheless, that's still, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be too critical of her, obviously, because she, I mean, she willed her team uh, to victory in this game. And, you know, Ohio's a team that kind of, we saw kind of fall back into the middle of the pack of the standings here. But, you know, they, they've started to pick it up again. This is a team now that they've, 
you know, they've won their last three, including wins at Central Michigan and then a win at home versus Buffalo last week. This is a team that seems to kind of be finding their groove once again after a couple of disappointing performances. Yeah, I agree. And this is a game that was a closer than a closer than expected game, I think, in part because Erica Johnson wasn't um, in there. CC Hooks kind of partner in crime there at Ohio. So that's one reason. But yeah, Western Michigan turning the ball over 18 times to Ohio's eight. Um, Ohio getting 12 steals to Western Michigan too. It's just coming down to taking care of the ball. And if they just have less of those turnovers, they pull out this game with, with a win. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's certainly the case. And um, it, it appears I, I might have spoken too soon in saying that uh, Ohio has completely righted the ship here because as we're recording on Wednesday night, uh, Ohio's in Ypsilanti taking on Eastern Michigan. And it looks like Eastern Michigan's going to pull this one out. Uh, they're currently up 67 to 63 on the Bobcats with uh, 15 seconds left in that game. But, you know, I just mentioned, Sam, Eastern Michigan's a team five and four in the conference, going to be six and four if they can pull this one out. They're, uh, you know, they're a team that's that's right there. They're not a pushover. Uh, CeCe Hooks, though, did has kept up her, her high level of play in this one. She's got 29 and 11. Uh, 12 for 27 from the field there. Erica Johnson did return to the floor tonight. She's having a rough outing, though, 10 points and eight rebounds, only four for 19 uh, from the field, though. So Eastern Michigan, perhaps a team to, to watch out for here uh, moving forward on the women's side. Uh, another game that we had our eye on this week that turned out to be a good one, uh, Buffalo continued their climb to the top of the conference, Sam. Uh, their 74-65 win over Toledo uh, the other night in, uh, in Buffalo. Yeah, this is another game where Daisha Fair, which just seems to be the name of the game for Buffalo's women's basketball, just carrying the load, 25 points, nine assists on the on the uh, uh, court. She's, she's just carrying the load for Buffalo. I think that's what Buffalo's just key to success is going to be for the rest of the season, just being the ball to her and just letting her not only score, but dish uh, as shown by her nine assists. So not only her getting herself involved but getting her teammates involved yeah Toledo had a strong uh strong outing had 32 points from their bench really strong effort but they just couldn't get it done in the end yeah no I I completely agree with you and um you know this is a, a team that it it really does seem like they're very dependent on uh, the Asha Fair, which I understand, but for them to, to continue to, to prove themselves at the top of the conference moving forward, I think this is a team, you know, we're going to have to, Summer Hemphill is going to have to step up a little bit. Cheyenne McEvans is going to have to step up a little bit. Those are the only two other players on this team that, uh, that average double digits, you know, Summer Hemphill with a, at 11.5 and uh, Cheyenne Evans at, at, at 10.3. And uh, here in this game, um, neither of them were, were in double, double figures, but that's okay because it seems like other people are, are starting to step up. Jasmine Young, she had, uh, she had 14 in this game. Uh, Ellis had, uh, or I'm sorry, Jasmine Young had 12. Uh, and, you know, they're, 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 they seem to be a well-rounded team. They seem to be a well-rounded team. They play great defense. They came out in this game against Toledo uh, and held the Rockets to seven points in the first quarter of this game. It was 18 to seven after the first quarter. So anytime you can start the game, with, uh, you know, a, a strong defensive effort like that, that's going to go a long way. They held the Rockets in this game. I mean, 29.2% from the field was Toledo, 19 for 65 overall, 9 for 32 from three-point land. I don't care how poor you play on offenses. If you're, if you're holding your opponents to under 30% shooting, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. 
Yeah, but one thing I, I want to point out is the awful free throw shooting that Buffalo had 16 of 29, barely above 50 yeah. percent from the field compared to Toledo's 18 of 23. If you just hit a couple of those, this game is out of reach early and you you leave 13 free points on the board. And what I heard this weekend on a telecast is two missed free throws is essentially a turnover because you're just not gaining anything out of the possession. You're just mm. giving the ball back to the opponent. So, yeah, like you just got to take care of it if you're both at the third line because you could have had this uh, game um, uh, called early. Yeah, no, that that's a great point, Sam. That is a great point. And, yeah, when when you're in a conference like the MAC where everything's so competitive, all the teams are so close, uh, you know, closely, uh, you know, they're, they're so bunched closely together in terms of talent, the margin for error is so slim and, and a missed free throw here or there can really uh, prove to be the difference there. Um, one last game we wanted to talk about here on the women's side. Uh, and Sam, I know this is something that I talked about a little bit last week, uh, but Northern Illinois continues to impress me. Uh, they got a victory at Akron the other night, 76 to 63. Akron having a tough year. They're one and eight overall, or I'm sorry, one and eight in the conference, four and eight overall. But Northern Illinois with another, uh, another impressive victory here. They're, uh, they're now sitting at five and three in the conference, and they've won uh, four of five uh, overall. Yeah, I think it's similar to Miami, Ohio, the men's side. They're just turning in the corner. They're finding ways to win. Even in their loss to Toledo, only by a five-point victory. Everything else, a seven-point win against Bowling Green, a 30-point win against Central Michigan, an eight-point win against Miami, Ohio, and then a 13-point win against Akron, who is struggling all of it, but still an impressive win, double-digit win away a road double digit win in fact so northern Illinois is just finding a way to win and they're just getting it done yeah no they, they really are and uh it was the really the second half of of this game that really kind of separated things um they were only up by one at halftime was niu and they outscored them uh outscored the zips by 12 in the second half shelby coker can tell continues to play at a really uh high level she had 19 points and then uh aja davis uh, for the uh, the Huskies had her third double double of the season with 13 points and 14 rebounds. So I think Northern Illinois for me, uh, a team that you know moving forward is a team that I'm interested in, in in watching and keeping my eye on. I mean they you know they lost four in a row earlier this year uh, in in the non conference play and actually one of those games was a, was a conference game. So but you take out that four game losing streak and this is a team that's played really well. Um, they have a couple big games coming up here uh, over the next week. They play uh, Miami, Bowling Green, and at Toledo uh, here in their next three. If they can pick up, if they can win two of those three, I think this is a team that's going to be right there at the end of the season. I, I agree. And what's impressive from this um, game real quick is besides the people who played two minutes um, at the end of the game, everybody else scored in this game. So not only we mentioned the Buffalo's like lack of just all-around all scoring, but then you have Northern Illinois who's just sitting there with scores everywhere, even if you're only contributing five points, two points, two points, five points, two points, six points. If you're if you're contributing, it's going to help. So if you can take the, the brunt, uh, brunt off your starters, it can help you uh, long term in this conference. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Completely agree with you there, Sam. So um, let's go ahead and move into our, our performances of the week. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you tonight. Uh, who, who, what was your kind of your standout performance of the week on the men's side of things? I went with someone different, someone I, I talked about. I really love watching his game, and it's Marion Jackson. 
even though he's a common name that everybody knows in the MAC, we, we haven't, I don't think, given him a player of the week so far. He had 31 points against Kansas State and needed it when they pulled out of that two point when every point mattered in that game. So just shout out to him for not only scoring, but his leadership, even putting up nine points and I think five assists in the last game. He's still having effect on the game. Even if you can't have the best scoring, he can still find his teammates. And I think that that's just what makes Marion Jackson so special is he can find his teammates who, as we've talked about, they have like five scores on their team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and anytime you have an offense like that, you got to have a point guard that can run it, that kind of has the keys to the car. And he certainly does that, you know, five and a half assists per game on top of uh, what he does scoring the ball himself. So certainly a good pick there. He's been playing at such a high level all season. I went with actually my, on the men's side for me, I went with one of his teammates. I went with JT Shimadi, the junior forward for Toledo um, out of uh, Newark, Ohio. He had himself a career night the other night uh, against Miami. I mentioned it earlier, 33 points, 11 for 11 from the field, five for five from three point land. I mean, what a performance from him. This is a guy, he's averaging 11.7 points per game, 4.2 rebounds a game. He's hitting 39% of his threes, shooting 61.5% overall from the field, 81% from the line. He's getting you four rebounds a night. I mean, this is a guy that's playing at a really high level right now. Uh, earlier in the week, he had a couple uh, other still, still good performances, but not quite at the same level as what he did on uh, last night against Miami with, again, with 33 on uh, in Saturday's win against Kent, he had 14 points, four assists, three rebounds. And then last Tuesday against central Michigan, he had 13 points. This is a guy, he can shoot the ball. He can rebound. He can do everything you need him to do. Yeah, I agree. He's he's one of um, Marion Jackson's teammates, as you mentioned. And what's impressive is not only he scored 33 points, but he went for he went perfect from the, uh, the three point land five of five and then 11 for 11 from the from field goal. So he couldn't miss not only at the three point line, but at, at the at just all around or all around the court. And he had himself one heck of a week this week. Yeah, he certainly did. And yeah, definitely a, a career night for him. Uh, last night against Miami. What about on the women's side, Sam? Uh, what was the performance this week uh, on the women's side that stood out for you? Uh, I went with someone I, I uh, called on the past, and it's Daisha Fair. She just continues to just dominate not only that, but put the team on her back. 25 points, nine assists. As I mentioned, she not only can score, but find her teammates, uh, nine assists against Toledo on a nine-point win. So not only can she score, I think this helps this Buffalo team if she can keep those assist numbers up because not only are they going to have to worry about her, but they're going to have to start worrying about her teammates as well. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And uh, it's, um, it's been a heck of a season uh, for Daisha Fair. Uh, she's at the top of the conference in a, in a lot of categories. And like you said, if she keeps playing at this level, uh, Buffalo is going to be hard to beat. And um, that, that's without a doubt. I went on the women's side. Uh, I went with uh, Cece Hooks from Ohio, who, you know, this is, uh, she's a girl that we've talked about a lot on the podcast before Obviously, the honors for her throughout the year have continued to come in, but I just I quick I can't ignore what she did this week. I mean, 38 points against Western Michigan, which I mentioned earlier, that was the fourth highest single game output in Ohio history. And then she also prior to that, she had 28 points last Wednesday against Buffalo. Uh, two comeback wins for the the Bobcats that wouldn't have happened if she didn't play that well. And um, with those two performances, she's moved into second all time in scoring 
in women's basketball history at Ohio. So two incredible performances from CC Hooks this week. Yeah, we talked about her week after week, and unfortunately, Erica Johnson couldn't be there in that game. So she had herself one heck of a game, needing all her all her points against Western Michigan and Buffalo. Is she, she's just put on a show? It's one of the reasons she was um, the one of the MAC preseason favorites to win the MAC Player of the Year in the women's side of things. And only that she was named the NCAA Week Nine starting five for a reason. She's just putting on a show week after week, and. This week, she had an unreal week. Yeah, she certainly did. And the Ohio is going to need her to continue to play at a high level moving forward if they want to have a chance to, to win the conference, similar to uh, Buffalo with uh, Daisha Fair. Um, let's touch quickly, Sam, here on, on some of the games that we're looking forward to here in, in the week ahead. Um, I know we kind of mentioned this on the men's side already with, you know, we got Ohio at Buffalo on Friday night. Uh, Toledo at Bowling Green on Saturday and then Akron at Toledo next Tuesday. I think especially, Sam, for me, Akron and Toledo, two of the teams, along with Kent State, playing probably the best of anyone in the conference right now. I think that Akron-Toledo game next Tuesday is going to be a heck of a matchup. Yeah, I agree. One, two in the conference. They're, they definitely deserve it with the performances they put on there. It's going to be interesting to see how Toledo um, can, if they can hold off against Akron. And not only that, Toledo at Bowling Green, even though Bowling Green's in a slump right now, they're not a game to sleep on. So Toledo's got two big games. Um, I'm sure even if they lose those two games, they won't lose the lead, but it's definitely every game matters in this uh, conference. Yeah, no doubt. And you got to wonder when Toledo's going to slip up. You don't know when it's going to happen. Eventually you feel like that it's inevitable that they're going to have a run of a couple games where they can't play quite as well as they has been as they have been. Well, we'll see uh, if and when that happens. Uh, what about on the women's side, Sam? Any games in particular you're looking forward to this week on women's? I think Buffalo and Central Michigan, we, we didn't get to talk about Central Michigan this past week, but seeing Bo Buffalo and Daisha Fair, if she's able to carry the load against Central Michigan, Central Michigan, a, a top of the power in the MAC and the women's side of things. So I think that's the game I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think for me, uh, this week on the women's side, I'm really curious to see how Kent State looks here after three weeks off due to the, the pause uh, because of, you know, COVID protocols within their program. Like I mentioned, they got Eastern Michigan coming to Kent on Saturday, and then uh, Kent goes to Ohio uh, next week on Wednesday night. Those are two games I think that are going to be very telling for the uh, Golden Flashes moving forward. Like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Eastern Michigan coming off of a big win versus Ohio at home tonight. That moves them to six and four in the conference. Uh, there's certainly no pushover. Kent State's sitting at that perfect four and oh, but you wonder if they're going to be rusty after three weeks off. So I'm curious to see how the Golden Flashes come out here this week um, after a, a couple weeks of, uh, of inactivity. So um, with that, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for the show here tonight. Sam, any, any final thoughts, anything we didn't cover, anything else you wanted to talk about uh, for, for the, the good of the people? Uh, no, I think that about wraps it up. I think we covered everything pretty smoothly. And yeah, I'm looking forward to these uh, six games that we have on the docket this week. No doubt. And, and we will obviously be back to talk about them next week again. Uh, this has been episode 30 of the Mid-American Bandwagon podcast. Can't believe we've reached uh, the 30s already. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Thank you for all the support. We really appreciate it. As always, I am Zach Folder. He is Sam Philman. This has been the Mid-American Bandwagon. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again next week.